Hey, equinely inclined friends, this is Sylvia with an important message for this episode. Every time that you hear Diana and I talking about Western equitation, we actually meant to be saying working equitation. And we especially apologize to Jill Barron, who knows that this is a big difference. And we also know that this is a big difference. So enjoy this episode about working equitation, dressage and heading to Saskatoon. This is Sylvia Schneider and Diana Belbar with Equinely Inclined, the equine podcast for the internet horse community. Episode 176, Western Equitation, Dressage and Heading to Saskatoon, recorded on February 11, 2019. Brought to you in part by Pondside Digital Media, with online strategy consulting and advising by sylviaschneider.ca. And this episode is also brought to you by you, our listeners, through your generous Patreon donations at patreon.com slash equine podcast. Thank you for your support. Hi, I'm Sylvia Schneider. And I'm Diana Belbar. This episode will include... Oh, some serious catching up. An interview with Jill Barron about the discipline of Western equitation. And an interview with Diane Creech about becoming a dressage rider. And a preview of the 2019 Saskatchewan Equine Expo. Hey Diana, long time no see. Too long. Yeah. Well, I've been very forthcoming about what went on in my life via posts on the Patreon page. I figure I owe it to our patrons to let them have an inside view, but I don't generally put my life out there for everyone to see. And (laughs) that was very true. It was complicated. Mm -hmm. So we should let new listeners know that they can go to patreon.com slash equine podcast to become a patron so they can access your shared posts. Right. Well, I know I've been out of the picture for a while, but I heard through the Facebook grapevine that you were planning on having one of your famous skating parties again. (laughs) Well, just a small one to break the ice to get back into it. I was sad to have missed it, and I'm anxious to hear all about it. Uh, Did you actually have some skating on the pond this time? Did you involve the horses? I remember those skating parties with great fondness. Well. Not quite the same. Not quite no the same. No ponies in harness. No ponies no in pond. harness. No okay. pond. No, the pond is full of bulrushes. Too okay. many dry years. But, you know, just a little rink down by the barn. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, The lights were lovely, and the hot dogs and the marshmallows tasted just as good. That's great. I mean, it sounds like it still had a little bit of a flavor of what it used to be like before. And if you're just getting back into it, next year will be even better. Yeah, well, now (laughs) that I can actually shovel a rink again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, next year I'm in. (laughs) Anyway, um, it's time for our interview with Jill Barron, and this interview is from last spring. I was so hoping to air it sooner, and fingers crossed, perhaps I'll have more time available to me now. Right. Well, it is a good one, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, before sharing our Jill Barron interview, let's talk about some housekeeping stuff. If you don't know about it, Equinely Inclined has a Patreon page. We were just talking about that a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our patron support through Patreon is the only way, other than personal funds, for us to keep this podcast alive. And we look forward to more patrons and coming up with more ways to keep things interesting for them. If you love to hear great interviews and horsey information, please help us to keep this podcast going. That's right. This podcast has a Patreon page so our listeners can help us by supporting our creation of the podcast. Check it out at patreon.com slash equine podcast and you'll see there are posts there for paying patrons that our regular podcast listeners don't have access to. And there are past episodes no longer publicly available on the podcast feed, and they're being made available via the Equinely Inclined Patreon page. Oh, and those past episodes are really great. They include equine information and amazing interviews with top athletes and other industry players in the equine world. Yes, they are great. If you search the page for episode, which I believe is a featured tag at the moment, you should see there are several past episode posts available for our supporting patrons. Mm-hmm. And it takes time to get those posts. It does, yeah. And, you know, it's either time or money. And right now I have to make money other ways until we build up our patron support on Patreon. Of course, this takes me away from getting more special posts up for patrons. There's a vicious circle for you. Terribly, yes. Without a doubt, we need more patrons. If you enjoy listening to the podcast and look forward to each episode, please become a patron and support the creation of the podcast with a pledge. Yes, and you'll become an insider with access to an inside peek at our lives. Once again, you can pledge at patreon.com slash equine podcast and we thank all our patrons so much for their support 
Well, I loved having the chance to interview Jill Barron and learn more about Western equitation. Mm, especially since it's such a new sport. Yeah. If it sounds like I was a little excited during the interview, it's because I was. <laughs> yes, you were. Yeah. One thing I need to point out is that when you hear Jill mention clinic and show dates in this interview, they are from 2018. So don't get too excited about going to watch or participate in them. No, you'll just have to check her website for what's going on now. Yeah, you bet. Well, I'm here at the uh, Main Event Expo in Red Deer, and it's 2018, and I'm here with Jill Barron. And Jill, we just watched your um, session on working equitation, and I was so excited to see that on the agenda, because I'm pretty sure we've heard recently about some people being involved with this. So can you tell us, um, hey, maybe a little bit about yourself, then what working equitation is all about, and, and what you were doing in your session? You bet. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thanks for having me. It's an honor to uh, hang out with you guys for a bit. Uh, my name is Jill Barron, and I own and operate a boarding training facility just outside of Calgary in Turner Valley. And we have a full boarding um, lesson clinics training uh, facility. And I got involved with working equitation four years ago. I went to Texas and had never seen it before. And I had a client that said, you should try it. I think you'd be really good at it. So she had horses down there already, and I flew down and competed, and I was hooked instantly. So I brought it back home to uh, the Baron Barn and started teaching it, and it really took off quite quickly. Yeah. So the group at, at our facility have been showing and training for four years or so, and uh, lots of clinics and schooling shows. Um been fortunate enough to show in Washington, Texas, California, and um, judge, give clinics in Oklahoma, Colorado, Texas. All over. Yeah, it's really taking <laughs> me all excellent. over. So yeah, in June, wow. I'm on Vancouver Island, Colorado, oh, Nebraska. Oh, my goodness, that's wonderful. These, yeah. are, these are with working equitation? This is this straight is working equitation working. Now, clinics and shows. Clinics now, the, and shows, the yeah. other thing that you do is you help to organize, you help to run the organization. Yes. So Working Equitation Canada is about a year old, so we're really working on building a national body to uh, promote the sport and build it from the bottom up the proper way and give people the support and, and the help they might need to get into it and host shows and um, you know we're working on a licensed official program um, I'm Canada's first licensed judge for working rotation as <laughs> right. well so how new is this because y you say like four years ago you kind of got into it was it new someplace then or is it new here now it's new in Canada right um, we are having the first licensed shows in Canada in Alberta this year so cool. that's very exciting very yeah. cool <laughs> and um, so it's just emerging in Canada. I really believe it's going to be a very popular sport. Um, it is truly the sport for every rider and every every breed. Well, that's a great way to... This is the segue. There's levels to mm -hmm. this that yeah. start with walk trot. And can you explain a little more? You bet. Um, there are seven levels plus a children's level. So children are encouraged to start out as well. Nice. The levels are progressive in, in training and skill. So there really is a spot for everyone to start out. The level one is called an introductory level, and there's no canter work, so it's walk trot, and it builds all the way up into level seven progressively, and level seven is basically almost all canter work, all the changes are flying, and it is rode one-handed as well, which is extremely difficult if you ever get to see a, a course because there's a lot of changes of bend and right. flying lead changes. We, I, I should back up. I skipped over what is working equitation. Right. Okay, so can I say something? Yeah. To me, and you can correct me, but yeah. to me... Working equitation is almost like equitation, so riding properly, regardless of what your horse does. And it's almost like dressage because everything is very minute movements. Mm -hmm. and, but it's, it's, it's based on things that would actually happen in a working ranch-type situation. You bet. Is that it? I, that I, yeah, you almost nailed it. Okay, cool. So working equitation was developed in Europe. There's four pioneering countries, Portugal, Italy, France, and Spain. Mm -hmm. And they developed it to prepare horses for work in the field. 
So everything you see is only going to increase your horse's partnership so you can take it out and do work with Uh your horse. Uh Essentially, I like to refer to it as functional dressage. So everything that you see on the working equitation course, I like to train my horses for anyways because I think it's just good training, which is why working equitation was such an instant fit for me because I was already training horses for it. It just gave an end goal to the program. Now, the mare that you've been doing so well with um, is indeed a quarter horse. She is, yes. And she's also your your uh, roping team horse? Roping horse. Team roping horse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She yeah. started out as um, my team roping horse, and we went to Texas to a place called Harris and showed in the Harris Cup. Uh-huh. And there was three of us from Alberta that went down, and I was actually going to take a different horse, and then there was two other mares in the trailer so I thought well for ease I'll take another mare so she kind of just you know got thrown in the mix and I put about strict you know 30 20 days of specific training on her for it and away we went and we were lucky enough to win the L4 Open Championship and then Jackie the other lady that came down with me she won the L2 Novice Amateur as well that's great so you were already very successful mm-hmm. in that regard. Yeah. But when you saw working equitation, um, I think what I heard you say was this can improve any horse in any discipline. Absolutely. It's mm-hmm. almost like, yeah. I mean, we see this. We've been to so many of the uh, different types of ec- uh, expos where they have the different disciplines. And we always say they're so they're so related. As a matter of fact, when we uh, talked with Sharon and uh, Stormy Camarillo uh, last year here, they had the eventers and the jumpers and the dressage people were just crowded around them because they were all talking about the same kinds of uh, things that they were using, the exercises, to keep their horses going well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very, it, it kind of takes all of that and wraps it up in a big bundle with, tied up with a red bow. Yeah. So maybe we could explain some. You you said I think sixteen or eighteen obstacles. Obstacles. There's nineteen. Nine. You're close. I was close. <laughs> nineteen standard yep. obstacles. So the nice thing is that these obstacles can be trained on because they're not changed all the time. Correct. So in the ease of handling phase, which after this I'll go back and describe the four phases because I haven't done that yet. So okay, we, sh- we should great. paint a picture of actually what it involves. But there's nineteen standard obstacles that no matter where you go in the world you will see those same obstacles and there's specific heights measurements for placement of the poles so it's very detailed and you can really prepare your horse for success right so some of the things we saw where we saw we saw um closely spaced barrels Mm -hmm. that people were doing amazing small canter circles around we saw um stamp outs of like a bowl mm-hmm. and we saw the, the garrette what's the garrette garrocha garrocha sorry yeah, that's okay <laughs> it's garrocha i had somebody call a it a cucaracha once <laughs> and it's a, it's a big long stick i'm sure it has a, a particular standard size yes it does it has a specific measurement and typically um the portuguese use them for working cattle in the right. field so they will pack them out to bring the cattle in. Right, and this is why it is part of the working equitation. Yeah. yeah. They have to ride one-handed with this big long stick, yeah. and they have to maneuver the cattle with it. Mm-hmm. So then where does the ring come into play? Because Just for skill. Skill. Yeah. That makes Precision. Sense. Of and course. Fun. And, fun. and fun. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so working equitation is composed of four phases. Okay. First test is the dressage test. Again, it is separated into seven levels. Um, progressively, obviously, advancing your skill as you up levels. Um, all essentially the dressage is a little bit different than classical dressage. Like I said before, it's more of a functional dressage. Mm-hmm. It's just getting your horse to engage their hindquarters, be balanced, be collected. and of course. Uh, just create a, a beautiful moving horse. Beautiful frame. Yeah. Yeah. And... To me, the dressage work is the key element uh, because if I have all that training in place, the obstacles essentially are fun. Are are fun. <laughs> so the dressage, I really encourage people to um, spend a lot of time working on that those those elements, and um, doesn't always have to be on the obstacles. We can work off the obstacles as well. Right. Second phase is called the ease of handling, and this is where those nineteen set obstacles come into play. 
And essentially, every obstacle is judged like a dressage element. So it's scored out of 10 points, and we're looking for symmetry, collection, rhythm, balance, Mm -hmm. harmony, obedience, engagement, engagement. Mm -hmm. Uh, the list is quite long, what we're looking for, yeah, Yeah. but basically, it's beauty is what we're looking for, Um, and, and a working partnership that carries on to so many different aspects of the the horse and rider's career Mm -hmm. third phase is the speed phase which is so much (laughs) fun yeah (laughs) and it is done in the obstacles as well and it is uh, against the clock and it's minus bonuses and plus penalties so you have to be able to maneuver and be precise because you can't knock anything over, mm-hmm. but still be able to add a little speed to your work. Right. Fourth phase, uh, which is only offered at international team competitions, is a cow phase, which is super fun. So it won't be in Canada for a little bit, probably. We'll start playing around with the cattle and teaching people how to do it. Um, in the States... We've done it twice when I've went to Texas, and um, people are really enjoying the cow phase as well. So then the idea is highest points across all phases is the champion. So it it really ticks a lot of boxes because you have to be able to be precise, Mm -hmm. accurate, Mm -hmm. um, be able to maneuver your horse into tight spaces, and you have to be able to add a little bit of speed to it. I find a lot of people sometimes get a little anxious over the speed because they don't want to go fast, but I encourage people to just trot the obstacles to start out because sure. it just gives your horse another look at the obstacles, and plus they're a lot of fun. Yeah, so. and it gets easier as it goes along. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You yep. have to have that control at the slower speed. Yep. So. Yeah. Too much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't speak highly enough about what it does for horse and rider, this working equitation. Right. It, it really does. Now, I know at one point I heard you say that uh, uh, you were a teacher. I, yes. Of grade 7 yes, students. Yes, I, I taught grade 7 for five years. <laughs> right. And now when you moved into your, so you're still teaching. Now mm-hmm. you're teaching riding. Yeah. And you said that uh, you wanted to develop your own curriculum. But... I've always wanted to develop my own curriculum for riders to progress through levels. Um, It's just boiled down to a matter of not having enough time to sit down on a computer and get it done. And when I first was introduced at Working Equitation, I knew that this was my curriculum. Yeah, it just fit. It it was an instant fit. Mm -hmm. And uh, the progression that it has laid out for horse and rider is is how I would want to bring a horse along. Mm Mm-hmm. Too fun. Yeah. So um, some of the upcoming shows? So three um, licensed shows, Working Equitation Canada shows. Uh, the first one is the last weekend in May at Caspian in Olds. The second one is end of July in Cochrane. And the third one is September long weekend, which I am hosting mm-hmm. at the Millville Racetrack and we're going to have a, a clinic day, which um, a lady from Texas is coming up to judge. Herself and I are going to teach the clinic together. And then we're going to have a two-day show. Wonderful. So there's opportunity at most of these shows to get in a clinic and tune up your skills. And if you're new to it, try and figure it out and be able to just step out there and have now some fun. you had a number of different horses taking part. I saw Morgan in there. Uh, you had the quarter horse. and There was another quarter horse in there. Uh, what else was in there today? So in my demonstration, um, we did 10 obstacles in an ease of handling situation. We talked about schooling tips and what a judge is looking for. And then we did a head-to-head speed round. Mm-hmm, that was fun. And I had four horses with me. I had a Morgan, an Australian stock horse, an Anglo-Arab thoroughbred, and a quarter horse. Now, the Australian stock horse looked really interesting to me because I thought Andalusian. So is there an Andalusian background in those? No, not at all. Wow, interesting. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not wrong, am I? I mean, that's kind of the general look that... Maybe I. Oh, maybe that's I okay. Re- I, I wouldn't. Re- I would. We're not, not. I'm not thinking of the same yeah. one. I don't and know. that's fine. You know, it, each eye is different. Yeah. I, I don't relate them to the Andalusian, um, but 
well, the I, other think, I think that horse had more of a hind end, and there wasn't uh, there wasn't the same. When when I think of Iberians and that, I see more of a heavier front end mm-hmm. and less of a, a lighter hind yeah. end. She definitely mm-hmm. has a, a developed hindquarters. And, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that would be probably the main difference. A lot of the carriage and that and the stockiness yep. was the same, and it the nice neck sure. and so on. Yep. So that's mm-hmm. what you'd see. That's I guess that's what I clued into. Mm-hmm. So yeah. When I took my mare down to Texas, the the place where we showed has a, a a purebed Lusitano breeding operation and it's it's wonderful and they all came over to my mare and said that is the hindquarters we need on our yeah. Lusitanos yeah. <laughs> so, so are they trying to breed that in now? Well or? they're trying but it, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's just yeah. I don't think really available <laughs> It's just one of the issues yeah. So every every breed has its has its points right uh-huh. and it, yeah. and it's um, and it's really nice to see something that genuinely works for any breed of horse and any style of or any rider mm-hmm. and different ages and different yeah. I mean, yeah, it's great. just so amazing to have yeah. something like that that could all be under the same roof I, yeah. I just love that mm-hmm. I, I oh I had a couple yeah. of questions Go sorry ahead. before no. I forget I wanted to ask you is it does it matter what tack you ride in perfect that's what I was going to talk about <laughs> oh, so you're leading into my um, so any breed any tack as long as your tag is consistent um, so I will go to shows and I will show against um, Charo, Dress, mm-hmm. Portuguese, mm-hmm. Western, Dressage. Right. You, you name it, you can sh- you can show it. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go out and buy all this different tack, and um, you can show with what you have. And it's really neat to have it all under one roof and just embrace tradition and all different breeds and abilities and so some of the things that people might want to think about ahead of time is it's in it is in it is like dressage too in that uh, there's pen, you're penalized for clucking and kissing yeah right, yeah, right? no voice yeah. yeah dressage phase and ease of handling there is um, a two-point penalty for every use of voice mm-hmm. so yeah and so what, you, what about the use of uh, spurs or no it's fine you yeah. can you can use spurs but there's very strict rules against um, blood so it really ho- holds the horse's welfare at the highest standard yeah, yeah so if there's any blood on your horse you are disqualified mm-hmm. so and what about um uh, reinforcement with um martingales and things um there is a list of um tack that is not allowed and martingales are not allowed bits with twists and gags and mm-hmm. and it's a it's a very traditional way of work and yeah. I, i'm a very traditional type of person and yeah. i just I love watching the horses work this way. Can, yeah, I like less is more. Yeah. <laughs> can no. they go bitless? Okay. So those Bozelle, are, yes. Bozelle, yes. But, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but well. not a bitless bridle. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that's what I meant was yeah. can yeah. they use a, a, a Bozelle or yeah. a Hockamore? Yeah. yeah. Um, not a mechanical hockey no, mechanical, but no, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> things get complicated. Yeah. They do get complicated, <laughs> yeah. but that is so much fun, and, and I just love the idea. And uh, I want to thank you for taking the time yeah. to explain to our listeners. But more. before we let you go, mm-hmm. um, how can people find out more about you? Do you have a website or? I do have a website. Um, the website is baronbarn.com. and that's two R's. Two R's and Baron. Mm-hmm. You can also Google Jill Baron, and you'll find exactly what you need to find okay we have a facebook page yeah the baron barn probably off of the uh, website website okay for sure Mm -hmm. and um all my contact information is pretty easy to find we have lots of stuff going on um i'm giving a lot of clinics and if people are interested in clinics in, in the area um my number one goal this year is to promote the sport and develop the sport in alberta so do you travel to give clinics Yes. All right. over. Oklahoma, Excellent. Texas, Colorado, Nebraska, Vancouver Island, Lethbridge. But they they must have to have the equipment in the locations that you're going to, right? You don't yeah. haul the equipment. Well, if it's you. close by, I have a lot of stuff I travel with. <laughs> okay. It's uh, it's a lot of work, but I'm getting it into really portable obstacles yeah. so it can fit. And most of the places like you the go. collapsible barrels. Yeah, those yeah, are like essential. Yeah. Um, most of the places you go, you've got ground rails. It's not equipment that is... You have to go out and buy all this fancy equipment. No. You know, you need barrels, some ground poles, yeah. some kind of yeah, pole bending pole or a yeah. stick with a base, yeah. a gate. No, a, you know. When you said you jump, there's a jump in there. Yep. It, it was a, a straw bale. Yep. 
which way does it stand? For the, the higher levels, it stands on its... Upright. Um, no, so. flat. Okay. okay, okay. But the tall... I don't even know how to explain it. On its side, so it's... The, the tallest it can be while laying flat. Oh, okay. The lower levels, yeah. it's on the strings. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Huh. Okay, I was and hoping then it wasn't the higher other <laughs> levels, they actually will stack two bales. Okay. But that's at um, L6, yeah. L7, so advanced yeah. masters. Oh, okay. So. All well, right. So it, it's nothing for people to be worried no, about. No, it yeah. does scare a lot of people, um, but I just encourage them to trot over it. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're out trail riding or working in the field there could be a log you have to go over Absolutely. there could be a so it's just a good thing it's to true. get yeah. get people it's functional to, yeah. yeah it's functional <laughs> right. Right. there you go oh too much fun jill yeah. well, thanks, thanks for having me oh thanks so much for taking the time because i saw how everybody was stopping you all the way to the yeah. edge of the spot. <laughs> yeah Excellent. it's really fun i can't speak highly enough about it i encourage people um a lot of people i say oh i'm not ready i'm not ready there's there's never a good time just jump in. Just jump in. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very welcoming sport. People are, are there to help you, and it's just really fun. That was another thing you said. You said people in this sport tend to uh, be working to improve their own score, and it's not so much about beating the other guy. Right. So there's a lot of camaraderie in there then. Yeah, it, I have encouraged lots of people just to jump in. They get one done, and they go, oh. That was fun. That was fun. <laughs> and they leave with things they can work on. Right, yeah. They get a report card, and it, it Ooh, says, cool. well, you get a test with yes, your comments. and your, So I call it a report card. Yeah. And you take away what you need to work on to improve your score next time. Right. I can't think of a better way to do it for no. people, you know. That's great. <laughs> so. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, we'll be encouraging our listeners to take a look at all these things as they come yeah. up. There's so YouTube, you. lots of YouTube things. Yes, yeah. you um, can YouTube. You'll see lots of Portuguese riders. Um, European riders, you said. European. There's yeah. a, a quick introduction video on my website on the Working Equitation tab. Um, and there's a Working Equitation University, which details all the movements there's videos of all the tests being ridden all the obstacles yeah. it's an excellent resource for people interested in, and it shows you a lot of information yeah. on that site so yeah google knows everything so yeah. <laughs> just ask, ask google ask mrs google yeah. oh that's terrific <laughs> that's really fun thank you for having me yeah well have a great day you too i have to say the term functional dressage is a really good way of describing western equitation I agree. I love anything that can be performed by any breed of horse and by any level of rider. I think this sport looks like fun and it's a winner. Yeah. And not to say that true dressage isn't functional. I just think dressage's function is to enable the horse to be more fit and agile. Well, dressage is the basics of training and works for any discipline. Mm-hmm. Well, if you go to barrenbarn.com, you can learn more about Jill and what she has to offer. Plus, there's a calendar and a chance to sign up for clinics near you. Mm-hmm. You can even uh, ask her to to book one, mm-hmm. bring her in. Mm-hmm. Well, we have our interview with Diane Creech. So Diane Creech was the dressage clinician at the Main Event Expo, and it seemed very fitting. At the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed very fitting to follow the one on Western equitation with uh, this one by Diane Creech. Absolutely. You know, I think dressage does for other disciplines what training in figure skating does for hockey players. I think you're right. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it was really interesting to hear just one of the many ways that people can become involved with horses, especially when they don't have the means or the knowledge to dive directly into working with them. I never tire of hearing these stories. Me neither. Nope. It's also interesting to hear how us crazy in love with horses people feel when we can't be with horses, when we're absolutely meant to be with them. Mm Mm-hmm. You bet. Well, let's hear what Diane has to say. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm here with Diane Creech at the Main Event Expo in Red Deer. It's 2018. And Diane uh, is the um, dressage clinician for the Main Event Expo. And Diane, could you tell us a little bit uh, about your background, uh, how you got started with horses and where you've been with them? And tell us a little bit more about you. Well, uh, I think mine is the typical teenage dream. I um, started working at a veterinarian just after school and took their dogs for a walk and then he had horses and then I got involved in his horses and took them out for brushing and grooming and then I started riding them and then I started taking lessons. But for me it was all about 
you know, having fun and enjoying with horses. And um, that veterinarian had mostly difficult horses that he had bought. Interesting. Um, <laughs> from, you know, people that didn't want them anymore or mm. from, you know, people that were going <clears> to <throat> send them to auction or something like that. So all the horses he had, they were all difficult horses, not easy, quiet horses. So from young on, I've been trained and used to dealing with all sorts of horses. Right. And where was this? Where did you grow up? Uh, I was born in the U.S. and then I grew up in Germany and then I immigrated to Canada. Mm-hmm. Okay. So from there, uh, how did you wind up doing dressage? Well, um, I think dressage was always my passion because probably also because that's how I started with him. Like, those horses were mostly so difficult and untrained that it was not something that I could just get on and jump. So Mm -hmm. I actually had to do a lot of thinking, a lot of quiet work with them. And I think for me, the training part was just very, always very fascinating and seeing how the horse responds to it. And... um, yeah, just seeing how a horse actually reacts, even if it had bad experiences, how you can kind of retrain the horse and regain the trust. Um, we had, for example, a mare that fold, and nobody could get close to her. They had to call me at night time wow. and to come out because I had been working with the horse, and the horse had been mistreated before and everything, and... Um, and that's how my vet got the horse because it was so difficult and didn't trust anybody anymore. Right. And, uh, yeah, so then I came out and it was just so fascinating to see how you can actually regain trust and retrain the horse to trust humans. And um, I think that that was one of the reasons why I just stuck with it you know I was never like a person that would go fast Mm -hmm. because that again was against regaining trust so that was something that you had to do slowly and I think that that just kind of like always stayed with me um, to have a more technical quiet approach Mm -hmm. than to go fast and want to jump and well, yeah. you know and the one thing that you learn about horses as you move, as you move along with them is that slower is faster when it comes to horses actually it really is yeah. you know if you take your time and that's what I was trying to express this morning in the young horse training that it is a responsibility actually for us if we buy a young horse sometimes people buy a young horse because they're cheaper but, you know, we have a responsibility to the young horse to actually give them good experiences because that's for the rest of their life. They're going to carry that backpack with them forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just really believe in that try to make as many good experiences for the horse and build on the confidence because the confidence is, is something so important for the horse, right. confidence and trust. So how did you come about to uh, compete in dressage? Actually, it was very late. I think my very first competition, I was 21. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like something um, that I had the opportunity to get into when I was really young and and, uh, going for it. But it was actually, for me, everything happened a little bit at a slower pace. Um, You know, when I was young, I didn't... My parents, nobody was into horses. Mm-hmm. Like, I do not come out of a horsey family. <laughs> no, and this is where you tell the same story that a lot of us yes. have told mm-hmm. about just needing to be near animals and near horses, and you found them wherever you could. And so in your case, it was the veterinarian. Yeah. yeah. So we just, we <laughs> seek out those opportunities. And that is exactly right. Yeah. Like, I wanted to do horses for my profession from a very young age on, and my mom naturally, you know, the voice of reason, get a good job, get a normal <laughs> yeah. job first, get an education. And then if you still want to do it, then, and okay, so I did that. I learned, you know, an office job and I was an office manager and I just, my heart broke. I was oh, yeah. sitting on the desk and I, I don't know how many times I called my mom during the day and says, I have to get out of here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I had like a really, I had a super nice boss who really like, you know, yeah. very supportive and I had a really nice environment and I made good money yep. and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like yes. I, was, I was sad all day long yeah. sitting in the office, yeah. you know. So, so your spirit was not there. It just wasn't. <laughs> and on the other hand, sitting on a horse. Yeah. <laughs> totally different. Yeah. You 
know, and I thank God my mom was really that way that she said, you know, life is too short. You know, okay, you gave it a try. You got your education. You tried it out. And I think it's right. time to actually do what your calling is. You know, sometimes you just can't stop it. You can't, no. So um, I, you are an accomplished uh, dressage rider. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the... Um uh, competitions that you've uh, entered and, and won and that sort of thing? Um, like, lately I have been, like last year, for example, like I did the Pan American Games. Mm-hmm. That was probably, you know, that's a really big competition. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, I competed in Europe and I competed in all North America. And last year we competed in Denmark and England and in Germany. And it's been absolutely amazing and all I have to thank for is my sponsor, you know, mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Leatherdale. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Leatherdale passed away, mm-hmm. but I'm fortunate enough that his wife has the same passion. Mm-hmm. And Louise Leatherdale took over the reins, and, you know, she's still such a horsewoman and such a passionate horse lover. Right. And, um, you know, she's still supporting me and fortunately enough she's also supporting my daughter right well wow. i mean it it isn't just enough to have the passion for riding you also have to have the right horse and you have to have the right sponsors because it, it's a team of people that get you to where you need to be absolutely so. it is a team and you have to have the discipline yeah you know like i was actually just saying that um you know even though I have a wonderful sponsor, it doesn't mean you don't have to work. Oh, gosh. I mean, no. horses don't Heavens care, no. right? Yeah. Like, you yeah. still have to care for them. You still have to treat them right. Yes. And you can't buy that with money. You no. have to have the instincts and the, the experience mm-hmm. and um, the love for it. And yeah. and, the, and there is somewhat the day-to-day grind. Like, it's not every day that you feel that you physically and mentally are, are ready to get out there again. And there's your horse waiting for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of commitment. Yes. It's a lot of commitment, and it doesn't matter how cold or hot it is. It doesn't matter how windy it is. If you feel like it, if you're sick, like I had a face where I had cancer, and, you know, so I had my chemo and all that kind of stuff, and it's still like the horses were the one thing that I always turned to, and right. it's they are my lifeline. I can't, wow. I can't say it any other way. And no. My passion for them, my love is so big for them. Right. So now my daughter's at the same kind of, I mean, she grew up with horses with me and, and she loves them as well. So now we're a little bit at the same spot that I'm trying to be the voice of reason saying, <laughs> okay, I know how hard this business is. Yeah. And I, I know that um, it is a very physical, mentally hard business. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to go to competitions. It's not easy to get the judges' remarks and get criticized all the way through your test. You know, you got to be, you have to have that love and that that, that mind in your head that you still want to, you know, try better, try harder. And no matter how often you feel like, you know, you're knocked down, you want to get up again and you want to do it. And that's that's actually the flip side of the coin, Dan, because uh, you weren't born into the opportunity, but you... seeked the opportunity and uh, on the other hand your daughter was born into that opportunity but not everyone that's born into the opportunity chooses to uh, take advantage of it either a lot of times it's actually the opposite way you know the kids who are born into it they seek other things because they're so used to it it's not new for them so I'm lucky, actually, that my daughter loves it yes. so much because I'm, we're so much on the road and we can great. do it together. Yeah. So it's, it's an amazing experience. But I'd like to, I'd like to also say that um, what you describe with the passion for horses and getting to the top in the industry, it, it isn't limited to just the passion that you have in this industry. Other people in other industries, they have the same struggle. It doesn't matter what business you're in, if you're an entrepreneur or or whatever, if you want to get to a certain goal, it's the same thing. It you just have it's a grind, you know, you have to keep plugging away at it no matter what. On the other hand side, if you really stick with it and if you're able to deal with all the downs, the ups are like just so wonderful and it's true. And you can make it you know like um you just have to always want to get out of your box you know like mm-hmm. a, it's it's so important 
to not stay in your comfort zone it's so important to get out and it doesn't have to be like getting out so far people say i can't go to europe i can't do that because i don't have a sponsor but you don't have to get out of that big of a box you know you just have to always make a point of getting out of your comfort zone and and really learning right you know? As soon as you stop learning, you that's it. Right? That's it. <laughs> so how is it that you wound up uh, coming to the Main Event Expo? I got asked and I was invited. Mm-hmm. And I honestly must say that I had not had any experience with, with you know, the main in- event. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. I mean, it's great. <laughs> and it reminds me a lot of the Royal Winter Fair that we have at home. I haven't. We have not we made, have it made it to the... See? No, we haven't made it there yet. Like, we would love to. We would love to go there. And you need to. It's, mm-hmm. it's the same. It's really nice. And it has a lot of tradition. And it's the same here, you know. Like, yeah. we were talking yesterday to Ron. And Ron was explaining to us how this whole main event actually came. You know, that his kids. And they wanted to learn and yeah. improve. And that's how they started out. And then it just grew and it exploded so <laughs> it's pretty amazing yeah, sometimes yeah, it, it starts with something so little and it just grows yes yes so. yeah well that's great so what is it that you've been doing at uh, the main event the clinics that you've been doing i've been giving they had asked me what kind of clinics that i wanted to do mm-hmm. and i kind of like suggested maybe not to just you know, invite some people and, and do a clinic. I wanted to actually show that dressage is in every discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to make sure that, I mean, eventers needed, jumpers needed, yep, you know, Western do. dressage, para riders, like no matter what discipline you go to, if the horse is trained, you can do whatever you need to do from that. Mm-hmm. And I was also watching... Um, the barrel race clinic yes and so many things that she was saying <laughs> yes. okay you don't call it dressage but it's the same principle yes. you know yeah. like everything like you know people complain my horse doesn't jump my horse doesn't go straight or stops in front of the fence go back to your flat basics. work right yeah. to your basics yeah. and you will fix it yeah exactly. don't keep jumping at it yeah. and like have no control yeah. over it you know yeah Learn and if con- something's not working don't keep doing the same thing <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, go and seek out insanity. the people that can uh, that can help you. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So. Oh wow. We well, hear that over and over again yeah. here, Diane. Yeah. And it is nice that there are so that there are so many disciplines under the same roof here. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely wonderful. The only thing that I always wonder, like, I think people don't quite realize how important dressage or some people call it flat work whatever they call it is because you see like a million people in the jumper you see a million people in for sure in the challenge training which is absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. i've been watching that too and you see a very small group of people actually watching the dressage clinics and it's actually kind of sad because all the jumpers should be going to those dressage i agree yeah yeah you know but Maybe Explain one day we'll to have them. to talk to them about how, <laughs> like it is a four-ring circus here. Yes, it yeah. is. So yes. people are trying to get to all these different events, but mm-hmm. perhaps they could uh, line it up slightly differently mm-hmm. at some points. So I think I'll look back over all of the schedules and see, you know, what the dressage is always, you know, paired with. And yeah, yeah, let's yeah. not always pair it. Well, Shannon, Shannon Duick had the same problem yeah. last year. They, they, they put. She wanted to watch the finals of the Trimmers <laughs> Challenge. They had her, and uh, and they had her in the round ring, like right at the same time. And so as the finals nobody was of the there. Challenge. Yeah, yeah there I would imagine. And I mean, she people didn't want to be there. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think what they actually should do is they should combine a jumper clinic with a dressage. So have two clinicians do one clinic that would be cool, cool. so actually so that the Rick, jumpers ask, tell them about that tell them about that we'll tell them yeah sure <laughs> sure we'll tell them on your behalf because yeah. you know if someone now I, I know that a lot of the the jumper trainers like jeff and so they have a pretty good idea yep. you know about oh, know the that. flat work you know mm-hmm. and that is great but it's just like maybe there are a couple things that a dressage trainer could kind of suggest but people, they just like to separate it too much. It's not really a separation, you know. Yeah. So anyway, so that's why I kind of had suggested, okay, let's do it, show, try to show, you know, different kind of 
sport you know disciplines mm-hmm. and try to get it a little bit together so the first day we had like uh, western dressage and then we had a jump rory adventure which happened to be a mule mm-hmm. which was absolutely amazing yeah. you know right I've never taught anyone with that long ears. <laughs> I mean, it was great. Which meal was that? Was that Ruby? Dixie. Dixie. Oh, that oh, was Dixie. Catherine Cook. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Catherine. Yeah. Uh, un- unless it's... Um, there no, was it was a, Catherine. It yeah. was Catherine, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so it was so fun, and it was so different, and yeah. it was like... It cool. was... I just... I loved it, so it was really great, you yeah. know? So... Well, if people want to find out more about Di- Diane Creech, how do they find out more about you, our listeners? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> Do you, you have know, a website? They can, they can Google me or yeah. they can contact me, you know, personally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, there's a lot of stuff on, on the Internet out there, mm-hmm. uh, which I know we shouldn't believe everything, but some of them. Okay. Only the good stuff, naturally. Yes. Uh, but, um, but but you don't have a website or a, a Facebook or a Twitter account or anything like no, that? No, not really. Yeah. I just, All right. Okay. I just the way I am. That's okay. That's fine. So uh, if people want to be in touch with Diane Creech, they should contact us, and we will put them in touch with you. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much for this uh, amazing interview. It was so fun to talk with you. Great. Thank you very much. Well, Diane mentioned that she thought it would be great to have other disciplines in the arena at the same time as a dressage instructor. That's not the first time we've heard that, is it? So, you know, I don't recall, but I think it's a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've heard it before. But anyway, we need to find a way to get to the Royal Winter Fair, Diana. Yeah, so we better start planning. Yeah, Mm -hmm. well, it's in November, so that gives us some time. But you know how quickly time flies (laughs) by. Oh, yeah. It would be very helpful to have more patron support. If you would like to hear more from the Royal Winter Fair, please help us get there through your support at patreon.com slash equinepodcast. Thanks in advance. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of going places, I think we should let people know that we've made plans to go to the Saskatchewan Equine Expo again, and I am so excited to attend. Oh, so am I. Uh, Let's give our listeners an idea of what's coming up at the Expo. Of course. So we have some great demonstrations, one by world-renowned horseman and clinician, Jonathan Field. I never get tired of watching him. Nope, me neither. Mm -hmm. And the NRHA professional, Vicky Braun, is Mm going to be demonstrating reining. So we should let those who don't know, that's the National Reining Horse Association. Right. Yeah. And there's the Narek Trainer Challenge. So that is basically the same as our um, Colt Starters, right? Mm -hmm. And we have Scott Todd, who was born and raised in Saskatchewan. Uh, He had a fascinating life by the sounds of it. And I don't want to give that away because I'm hoping that we're going to be able to corner him with an interview and let people know from his own mouth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I see that he's in the Training Through Trust program. Yeah. So spend a winter training alongside Doug's son, Cade Mills. That is going to give him an edge. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Have to see what happens there. Yeah, Yeah. They've been very successful with their training program. Right. So Scott and his wife, Alina, now train horses full time in it with Alberta. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. close to home. Mm-hmm. And Jason Irwin, of course, we're going to see him again. And we knew that yeah, we were talking great. with Jason and Bronwyn. Yes. And uh, of course, we can just remind people that he started his, his first cult when he was 12. And he's been at it ever since. So mm-hmm. he's a self-taught, self-taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah. self-taught trainer. Yeah. So that's awesome. So, and, you know, fascinating. Originally from Prince Edward Island, right? Yeah. So he's mm-hmm. been the trainer at the family business North Star Livestock based out of Port Elgin, Ontario for mm-hmm. the last 20 years. Right. Raising quarter horses, specializing in big, fancy blue roans that sell all through North America. <laughs> That's cool. We're going to have to ask them when we see them if they uh, met up again at uh, the Royal Winter Fair. Yeah, I'm sure they I did. Think they, oh, they did. Yes. They did, for okay. sure. And Amos Abramson. And we spoke with Amos, I think, before. Before, we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's from Maple Creek, Saskatchewan. And he operates his horse training business, Diamond J Performance Horses. Yeah, it'll be nice to see Amos again as well. Yeah. So the extravaganza sounds like it's going to be really interesting. Uh, That's when they bring all of the uh, different um, performers. Yep. Bunch um, of different demos. Yeah. In an event in the evening. Mm -hmm. And they've got... Starting with the 4-H Pony Club, Mm -hmm. 4-H slash Pony Club demos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see this one. It's the OTTB, or Off the Track Thoroughbred, 
demo. Mm -hmm. So if you're at the event, you need to remember to vote for your favorite OTTB, Challenge Horse and Rider. And the ballots will be available at the Ag Centre show office and the Canpresco booth in the trade show. Mm -hmm. So they'll be competing in different um, disciplines. Right. Well, they're going to have the um, jumping Mm -hmm. and they're going to have obstacles. I'm not sure what that is. Is that driving? Is that going to (laughs) be driving? Or is that going to be like a... I think it'd be like a trail riding. A trail riding, yeah. Uh, And And freestyle dressage. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting. Be very Now, that's going to be a separate competition. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be part of the extravaganza. That'll be the first time we've seen that. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Mm -hmm. So they're also going to have polo cross, which is always neat. Mm -hmm. Driving. Raining. Barrel racing. And mounted shooting. That's always fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We used to have a group that did mounted shooting here in uh, Alberta. Well, I bet and they're they going to be there. No, they disbanded. Seriously? I just talked to them last year, yeah. So oh, no. Huh. We'll have to talk to these guys, see if they travel into Alberta. Okay. Wow, okay. Well, um, Diana, I always find myself wondering what our listeners are up to. Mm-hmm, for sure. How are you handling the cold and snow, <laughs> if you have cold and snow, in you know your what? area? I have heard there's cold and snow in so many places. Uh, yes. So Chicago had colder weather than we had for a while. The polar vortex, yes. yes. And anything around the lakes, it, the lakes just drew it right down, the, the, the Great Lakes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in B.C., they're getting snow. And in Sedona, Arizona, they're getting snow. Mm-hmm. And it's cold in San Diego. Mm-hmm. So ah, I'm sure there's lots of people who are handling cold right now. They might not be handling snow, but it's not nice. <laughs> no. Well, especially if you're not used to it. And I, I got to say, even though we're used to it, I'm getting darn tired of this cold snap that we're in right now. Yeah, so, I know. But I'm not going to complain because others are in much worse shape. Right. So let us know. Are you dealing with cold? cold and snow Mm -hmm. and are we going to see you at the saskatchewan equine expo (laughs) because that would be awesome if you see us there you have to come up and say hi and maybe there are people oh i know there are a lot of people out there that own off the track thoroughbreds yeah you know i think of uh, i think of years ago karen if karen is out there she got a standard bread Mm -hmm. off the track and that was a hoot yeah so we didn't even know he was a pacer (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you, you were talking so about that's that one other episode. So yeah. if people out there have got off-the-track thoroughbreds, give us some of your stories. Yeah. And I'm going to keep asking this question. Have you introduced someone new to horses since the last episode? You've had lots of time because I'm afraid that episode was a while back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how about do you like riding outside in the winter? Let's get your awesome stories of unforgettable moonlight rides. Mm. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're one of those horse crazy people who don't know how to fill that horseless void let us know we want to help you (laughs) well our newest listeners might be wondering how to be in touch with us so for now the easiest way for people to be in touch is via the facebook page Mm -hmm. and speaking of our facebook page you can stop by our page at facebook.com slash equinely inclined and click on the like button and you'll hear your name when we welcome you at this spot in our next episode. And a little tip about this. If you click on the three dots to the right of the like button, it will give you an option to follow the page. And then you'll be notified of any posts we make. And please remember this. Tell five friends about our Facebook page. And when you do, you're helping others learn more about horses. And we love to help educate people about the many aspects of horses and other equines. And we love it when you share what you find on our Facebook page and in our podcast episodes with others. If we want positive impact for horses in our world, it takes all of us to help ourselves and others learn more about horses. So let us know what you think of this episode and what else you would like to hear. Do you have an opinion on a horsey topic or is there one you wish us to cover? Talk to us. Don't be shy. Go to www.facebook.com slash equinelyinclined and leave us a message on the page. Well, next episode, Diana. Mid-February. Much, much faster <laughs> than the last one and this one, that's for sure. Um, I think we'll, it'll be after the Saskatchewan Equine Expo. Mm-hmm. And once again, we have some great interviews and episodes ahead of us, so stay tuned. I am so happy to be back on track. 
Make sure to check the Facebook page because we enjoy doing live videos and you never know what we might surprise you with. I'm sure we will be doing some live videos <laughs> from Saskatchewan Equine Expo. So mm -hmm. yes, stay tuned for sure. And please find a non-horse person you think might enjoy knowing more about horses and engage them in conversation. Let them know about everything we do. It would be great to have them join us on Facebook and as a podcast listener. And one last message, a heartfelt thank you to all our patrons for their support. So until our next episode, bye from Sylvia Schneider and Diana Belbar and give your horses big hugs for us.